We want to thank you for tuning in to the Indian Run Christian Church podcast with Pastor Terry Bailey. This podcast can be found on iTunes by searching for Terry Bailey Ministries. Right now, let's get to Pastor Terry's insightful message. This last week I received news that was both sad and glad. I was blessed in my life at my home church, the Eminence Christian Church, to have a series of very good ministers who tended to my spiritual needs and development. And Stanley Hicks, the minister who baptized me, Stanley who I knew in my pre-adolescent and adolescent years, has passed away. And, and that is sad news because he meant much to me. And glad news, because Stanley's health had deteriorated so very badly in these last years, and I know now that it is all restored. Stanley's wisdom and good spirit, which were bulwarks to me in the days of my youth, are now more profound than ever, as he has direct communion with God. I will see him again. But I thought back how I could honor Stanley, and obviously by trying to continue to preach the word as he showed me to preach the word in honesty, faith, and conviction. And he told the world's worst jokes. (laughs) At least one really corny joke. Every sermon. So I thought I would honor Stanley today by bringing back a joke that I remember him telling. I don't usually tell jokes. I usually tell stories about myself, my past, my kids, whatever. But for Stanley, I will repeat to you a joke that I heard from him. He spoke of NASA training a chimpanzee to take the place of human astronauts and how they worked with this chimpanzee from its infancy onward, teaching it a multitude of sign language symbols and a kind of complicated grammar so that it would be able come the day to travel into space and to communicate back what it learned there. And the big day finally came, and the trainers went through their sign language preparation with the chimpanzee, and the chimpanzee was strapped in, and the long countdown became the short countdown, and the rocket engines flared to life, and the whole thing lifted off the pad and went about five feet into the air and flopped over on its side and caught fire. And the Fire trucks and the rescue crews rushed out and extinguished the flames and got the monkey out, ape, ape, not monkey, ape out, and he was okay, but he was gesticulating wildly, and he was saying, everybody said, what? And his trainer said, he said, big hairy deal five lousy feet I told you they were corny hang on to that for just a minute let me review what I did last week in trying to set up this journey toward Easter I was looking in the little first epistle of John, 
about what I call the five non-negotiables, things that we must believe or evidence. Two of them are about us. I pass over them quickly as I did last week. We must all acknowledge that we are sinners. To say otherwise is to call God a liar. And if we are changing from sinners into something better, we must evidence a growing capacity to love one another. These things must be true. Or we are not being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the three things that you must believe about Jesus himself. He was sent into the world, which tells us that he was already existing somewhere else before he was sent here. He is the pre-existent Son of God, an eternal spiritual being. He was sent into this world. Why was he sent? He was sent to be the Christ, the appointed one who fulfills all the prophecies and promises that God made. How was he sent? He was sent in the flesh. He became a human being. If you don't believe these three things about Jesus Christ, John says, then you are outside of Christ. If you don't hold that he is the pre-existent Son of God sent from there to here, if you do not hold that he is the Christ, the fulfillment of all the prophecies and the promises, if you do not hold that he came in the flesh and lived as a human being before us, if you don't believe these three things, you are outside God's purposes in Christ. Outside! And I ask myself, ready? Why should John make such a big hairy deal out of this? You knew I'd work it in. As a student of theology and Christology, I can tell you that there are lots of people who call themselves Christians who hold views of Jesus Christ somewhat different than the one outlined by John. There are lots of them. I can acquaint you with just a few. There are people who believe that Jesus Christ was fully human, but that he was not divine. That he was an ordinary man, born in the ordinary way. That he was a great moral teacher, philosopher, prophet, revolutionary, perhaps the greatest that ever lived. And they tell you that for them, that's enough. This understanding of Christ satisfies them. Some people will take the opposite tack and say that Jesus was fully divine, but that he was never human. That what people saw was a manifestation of his divine spiritual self, an apparition, a ghost, I guess, if you will, an illusion, a projection, but that he was never really a human being, because that's not a thing that Almighty God would do. So some say that he was fully human, but not at all divine. And some say that he was fully divine and not at all human. And some take a a road somewhere in the middle and talk of Jesus as an ordinary human being with an ordinary beginning who at his baptism was specially adopted by God and became more than he was. An alternative view of that, similar but just a little different, is that Jesus is a fully evolved human being. He started out the way that you and I started out, but then he 
fully realized the spiritual potential within him and became something more to show us that we can do the same thing. And there are other views of Christ, but I throw these out just so you can picture a few and then tell you that the Apostle John would reject them all. Would say of each and every one, if this is what you believe, you are totally outside God's purposes in Jesus Christ. Because to be inside those purposes, you must acknowledge that he is the eternally existent Son of God who was sent into the world, that he is the Christ, the fulfillment of all the prophecies and promises, and that he came in the flesh. And anyone who says different is motivated not by the Spirit of God, but by the Spirit that is called anti-Christ. Okay. But if I hold these three propositions, it really kind of calls for me to believe in some other things. If I believe the three things that John says about Jesus Christ, then I pretty much have to believe in what is called cosmological dualism. That is that everything I see has a physical face, which I can access with my five senses, but there's another side to reality, a spiritual side that is not immediately available to my five senses, and that I have to access that in some different manner. If I believe the three things that John says about Jesus Christ, I pretty much must believe the doctrine of the virgin birth. That this, By the way, it seems ridiculous to me that human beings think that we can arrive at the point where we can use technology to clone people to bring about a birth without the usual uh, procedures and somehow think that God couldn't have figured that out in the beginning. <laughs> That's, that is strange to me. But, but... If I believe the things that John says about Jesus Christ, I pretty much must believe the doctrine of the virgin birth. If I believe the three things that John says about Jesus Christ, then I believe that he came here from somewhere else, and after a period he went back there. That somewhere else. But that he has provided a link for me. to that place where he now is. If I believe the three things that John says about Jesus Christ, I pretty much must believe that he went there, but he's coming back here a second time. And that the long, raging conflict between the physical and spiritual sides of reality is going to be resolved when he returns. And if I believe these things, I put myself seriously at odds with my modern, rationalistic, materialistic, empiricist society. I become abnormal for a 21st century man if I believe these things. As John says, I must believe them. So why this line in the sand? I strove last week to just impress us with the wonder of the fact 
of the incarnation, the, the almost incomprehensible mystery that an eternal, immutable, spiritual God would take on flesh and become something so small. It is almost inconceivable. I don't know that I can explain the wonder any further than I did. But some days at least I feel like I have a pretty good grip on the reasons for which God would do such a thing. Because God takes some trouble to explain himself. Why did he do this unbelievable, marvelous thing in the incarnation of Jesus Christ? And what Fritz read for us today begins the list of those reasons as we move toward Easter. Jesus the eternally existent Son of God sent into this world in the flesh as the Messiah, Jesus reveals God. This is important, but this is what we got from those passages that Fritz read for us. No man has seen God at any time, but the Son explains Him. Oh, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Have you been with me so long and haven't understood this yet? When you see me, you see the Father. Jesus reveals God. This, this, this God that we believe in, this God that we want to worship, this God in whose hands we try to place our Lives, times, and eternities. What is he like? Well, I'm telling you, before Jesus Christ, that was something of a problem for people. Something of a mystery. If you go back and you read your old covenant with an eye toward this, you will see that all the cultures around Israel struggled with their notion of an invisible God who could not be represented in images carved in stone or wood or cast in metal. What is this invisible God thing? How do we understand him if there's no way to represent him physically? And beyond his being invisible, he was fairly unaccountable, this God. And almost not at all prone to negotiate this God of the Hebrews. How are we supposed to get a handle on him? Because what's he going to do? Who knows? And when he's done it, what does it mean? Who can say? Even his own people whom he claims to bless and strengthen and use and guide cannot always explain what it is that he just did. And if they can't explain it, where does that leave me in trying to understand this God? Give me a God that I can make a statue of so that I can understand Him through the likeness. Give me a God who is predictable, which is really to say controllable, by which I mean that if I do the right thing, say the right words, He will give me good crops and make me healthy 
and wealthy and wise. Give me, give me that kind of God. But this unknown, invisible, uncomprehensible, unaccountable, drastic God of the Hebrews. I mean, let's just look. Look at their own stories of people who have walked with this God. Because my understanding is this. I'm speaking for those other Old Testament cultures in case you forgot that. Here's my understanding. The point of a God is to make me wealthy, powerful, and influential. But God comes to Abraham when he already had all that and he took it away from him. He said, I know you're established, but I want you to walk away from it all. Where? You don't need to know. Why? Well, I'm going to make a great nation of your descendants and they will be a blessing to all people. You see, no particular mention of blessing Abraham personally, but doing something strange with him through his descendants that will bless other people who will come after him that he will never know. What kind of strange goings on is this? And then there were several perfectly good opportunities for Abraham to get this multitude of descendants thing started, but God kept saying, nope, nope, and makes him wait till he's a hundred to give him one kid. And then the first thing he does is ask for that child back. What kind of God is this you guys are working with for Moses? Moses. See, I understand the story to this point. God saves Moses as a baby from persecution by the most powerful man in the world at the time. And then God places that baby in a place where he has pretty good odds of becoming the successor to the most powerful man in the world at the time. So that this baby that was saved becomes the most powerful man in the world. And now he can fix things, except then God kicks him out of that cushy position and makes him a wandering goat herder and then he comes back to him when he's old and he has nothing and he says I need you to risk your life accomplishing miracles without visible resources in the face of the most powerful man on the planet who by the way hates you what's with this God of yours your prophets they're foaming at the mouth and running around naked and carrying agricultural implements and whacking off their hair and burning it up I mean they're weirdos totally out of step with society and convention not to mention propriety How am I supposed to get any kind of handle on this strange God? See, it would be so much easier if I could just make a statue of him that would represent something I can understand. We could cast a statue of a golden bull and say, see, God is strong like a bull. Or we could... Render him as a fox and say, see, he's wily like a fox. Or we could render him as an eagle in flight and say, see, he's imperious like an eagle. The problem is that God isn't any of those things. 
His strength is so great that it can't even be compared to anything as puny as a cow. Furthermore, I can put that cow in a harness and make it do my work for me. Is that my understanding of God? Well, then how do I get to an understanding? Here's an idea. What if the strange, invisible, unaccountable God of yours was to take on flesh and come down here as a human being and talk to us and walk with us and act before us and do His God things right there in the open where we can see and understand. That might work. Jesus comes in the flesh because it is the only way that we lost and spiritually blind human beings have a shot at understanding God. And Jesus reveals Him to us. The wisdom of Jesus stands the test of all the centuries and millennia because it is the wisdom of God beside which the wisdom of this world is a fairly dim bulb. And he reveals the wisdom of God. Jesus reveals the values of God, a set of values so antithetical to this world's stated values that it seems upside down and backwards and calls for a complete reorientation of our mindset to get in line with. But Jesus reveals to us the values of God. Jesus reveals to us the big overarching historical plans of God so that we can finally see how God has been reaching out to us all along through all the institutions of this world that we know to make it possible for us to find Him so that we ourselves might be found rather than lost. Jesus reveals the heart of God. And the heart of God is revealed mostly in this proposition. God loves you. It doesn't matter if you're a tax collector or a harlot or a leper. He loves you. It's academic whether you're rich or poor or anywhere on the spectrum in between. He loves you. It doesn't matter if you have been cast out by your society. It does not matter if you have been trampled underfoot by the powers that be here and now. God loves you and he knows everything about you. He knows every rotten, lousy thing that could be laid at your feet or printed on your record, and He loves you anyway. 
and he wants to redeem you and free you from bondage to your sins. And in that freedom, free you from death. That we would not understand any of that if Jesus Christ had not come as the eternal pre-existent Son of God, as the Messiah in the flesh, and so revealed God to us in a comprehensible way so that we could see who He is. Because when you have seen the Son, you have seen the Father. And when you know Jesus Christ, you know God. What a thing to know God. But you can. You can know Him today. We want to take a moment to thank all of you, our faithful listeners, for setting aside time each week for the Indian Run Christian Church podcast. You can find out more about the church by visiting our website at www.christforeastcanton.com. That's www.christforeastcanton.com. On behalf of Pastor Terry and all the folks at Indian Run Christian Church, I pray God's blessing on you and your family.